Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to all of our campuses. All of you watching online, all of us here, you're looking good today. I'm excited about the message. Two things, Good Leader Conference, that's coming up. If you're a leader, want to be a leader, you're a team leader, maybe you want to invite some uh, of your team, uh, January 25th. Uh, that's this week, uh, 12 o'clock to 1.30. So it's just an hour lunch or hour and a half lunch. Uh, you can sign up, goodleaderconference.com. Uh, man, one of my great friends, and he's out of our church. He is the founder and CEO of uh, KidStrong. You've probably seen those things all over the place. Him and his wife lead that. And uh, man, his, his passion is not only business. His passion is kingdom and business. And how do we work together and how do we encourage one another as leaders and business leaders and realtors and, and uh, whatever you do in the office and, and teams. Um, that's the Good Leader Conference. Also, um, <clears throat> next Sunday is our Cookies and Conversation. It's our unity gathering. And here's what I want to challenge you with. A lot of us are like, I don't have any problem with that. I'm good. Uh, I, but that may be true, and I hope so. I hope that most of us don't. But on, on occasion, when things come up, in our nation or even in our world, uh, those feelings of, of, of not sure, like, okay, what do I think about this or whatever? And, and I'm I, it, firsthand, you know, I, I have these conversations every fifth Sunday or that, in that week, I'm taking somebody who does not look like me, who does not come from my background or my culture, and I'm sitting down at a lunch table or a dinner table and I'm just asking their story. And I'm telling you, when you sit across from someone who is different than you and doesn't look like you, maybe a different color, maybe a different culture, even a religion, then you learn. You learn. And so that's what this is about. There's nothing weird that happens, nothing political that happens. It's all just relationships. And how can we, as a church, move forward, especially this year in an election year, which can be very, it will be very divisive, but in the kingdom, in the, in the church, we should love and be in unity. Doesn't mean we don't have a voice. Doesn't mean you don't vote. Doesn't mean uh, that things aren't important. It just means that as a kingdom people, Jesus people, we're going to put unity at the forefront. And that's how we do this. We just have conversations. When you build a relationship, you build a bridge. And when you build a bridge, you change your mindset. And it, it really helps. So that's next week, Sunday, January 28th, 3 o'clock to 5, right here at this Frisco East cam uh, campus. You can sign up, hopefellowship.net slash unity. Um, excited about uh, the message today. We're in week three of a series where we've titled uh, My Name Is. And many of us have labels. Many of us have different things we've been called or different things that we think about ourselves, uh, mostly in the negative, sometimes in the positive, and that, 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 that's pride. So there's a, there's a lot of things that we deal with in the, in the sense of identity. And today, I'm especially excited about today. I have a lot, so I'm going to get right to it. Um, I'm going to tell you the story. And over the last few weeks, just in case you have been ignoring us or you haven't remembered or maybe you're just joining us for the first time online or whatever, my name is, week one we talked about Abram turning, uh, God turned his name or changed his name to Abraham. Last week we talked about Naomi who changed her own name because of her bitterness to Mara. Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitter. She, had, she walked through some tragedy in her life, and instead of trusting God, she got bitter, and she even changed her name to, to reflect how she was feeling. Today, I want to talk about Jacob, 
turning his name, or God turned his name, or changed his name, sorry, to Israel. And just for a little bit of context, there's Abraham, okay? Then there's his son, Isaac, and then there's his son, Jacob. So that's where we are in the story. We're not too far from Abraham. Now, let me ask you a question. On a scale from one to 10, 10 being really healthy, one being uh, totally dysfunctional. In your relationships over the course of your life, I'm not just talking about the last season or your adult life or whatever. I'm talking about over your life, the span of your life, where would you rate yourself on health in relationships? Very healthy, really healthy, not many problems, totally dysfunctional, and I'm a mess. Okay? Now, don't, don't say it out loud, but just think about that number. And I want you to think about, when you think about that number, I want you to think about your relationship with your parents I want you to think about your relationship with your brothers and sisters. Uh, I want you to think about siblings, I mean. Uh, I want you to think about your relationship with coworkers, with spouse or spouses, um, your relationship with uh, your children, your relationship with neighbors, and so forth. Does that make sense? Not on the road. I'm not talking about your relationship with people on the tollway. That's a totally different thing. <laughs> talking about your relationships in general. Are you pretty healthy or are you totally dysfunctional or somewhere in between? The story of Jacob, the story of Jacob is a story of dysfunctional relationships. And it is, like us, family of origin issues. Many of us take our cues from family of origin. In other words, how our parents, family, cousins, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, how we dealt with issues, or they did, we tend to follow suit. Now, some of us go the opposite direction, especially if you come from a family that yelled a lot, confrontive, combative, uh, competitive. Maybe you've gone the other way, and you are totally uh, an introvert, and you, you avoid confrontation at any, uh, on any level, and you've kind of gone that other way, but most kind of follow suit. And so you, your, your dad yelled, you yell. Your mom yelled, you yell. So, so there's, because of that, many times our relationships in life, especially when we get to be adults, they seem to be or tend to be dysfunctional. And what I want you to hear today is if you would consider yourself, now if you're not self-aware, maybe somebody needs to help you to say, no, you're a three, not a six, okay? But let's wait on that. Spouses, just look straight ahead and let's just wait on, on putting yourself uh, or asking somebody else. Um, but if you put yourself at a six or a seven, but you have multiple, multiple relationships that have gone south, that have been disruptive or disrupted, over the course of your life, but yet you put yourself at a five or six or a seven, maybe there's something that you and I need to think about. If there's a break in relationship at every season of your life, maybe there's some things that are going on that are dysfunctional. And here's what I want you to hear. Um, God's still with you. If you are challenged, if you came out of the womb mad, right, I mean, you came out of the womb fighting. You came out, and, and listen, you can't help that. 
I can't help that. We, we come out as we come out, right? We're all sinful. So some of us, very, very confrontational, very, uh, we just have struggles in life, especially relationally. And we wonder what's going on. Well, today I'm hoping that you'll be encouraged. My goal is not to make you feel less than. My goal is not to make you feel totally dysfunctional. My goal is to help us that, because all of us are probably dysfunctional in some way, take that dysfunction and say, God, here it is. I don't know what to do with this totally. I know that I have issues. And I know that maybe in my life, there are some things that I need to do. Okay, so that's where we're going today. And I want to tell you the story of Jacob. And I want you to pay close attention. So listen to me. I've got tons of scripture, but I think it's important. I'm going to try to go faster than I did last night. I was a little over. So if you're waiting to go to a football game or whatever, trying to watch a football game, it doesn't matter. The Cowboys aren't there, so it doesn't matter. Okay? It does not matter. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter. Okay? (laughs) All right. Let's start with Genesis chapter 25. I want to let you in on the story of Jacob and his family. Here it is. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals one nation will be stronger than the other nation, or the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. Okay, so this is the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau would be the older son. Jacob would be the younger. But even as Esau was coming out of the womb first, Jacob had his hand around his heel, trying to, trying to maybe pull him back, trying to one-up him, trying to get out first, if you will. Fast forward to their growing up. Here's here's another part of the story. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau. Some of us deal with uh, favoritism in our growing up years. Dad loved brother more than he loved you, or sister more than he loved you, or mom loves, you know, so we have this going on here. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stool. Uh, not stool, stew, stew. <laughs> with Jacob, I wouldn't have doubted it, all right, wow, Esau ate the meal, then got up and left, he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn, okay, so obviously, from the womb, Jacob and Esau are struggling, they grow up, and they're still struggling, Jacob is trying to deceive, he's trying to, you know, 
uh, trick or, or just trying to steal, actually, that's the word, steal from his brother, and he did. Just over a meal because the guy was hungry. He must have been really hungry, but at, at any rate, as the story goes on, Isaac, the dad, is, is on his deathbed getting ready to die, and he brings Esau in and says, Esau, you're the firstborn. I want you to go hunt my favorite meal, and I want you to bring it back. I want you to prepare it, and I want you to bring it to me, and after I eat, I'm going to bless you. You're my firstborn son. I'm going to bless you. Well, Rebecca overhears this conversation. Now, here's, here's man, there is a total, there's a, there's a lot of, of dysfunction going on here. Rebecca, you know, who loves Jacob and favors Jacob, tells Jacob, okay, here's the plan. We're going to trick your dad. I'm going to put goat hair all over you because Esau was hairy. And, and I'm going to fix the meal for you. And then before Esau comes back, I'm going to have you go in and pretend like you're Esau. And you're going to get the blessing. You're going to get the, the firstborn blessing. Now, instead of Jacob saying, Mom, I can't do that to my dad. I, I mean, I can't. No, he goes right along with this plan. He goes right along with it. And here's what happened. Here's the rest of the story. So Jacob went, in, went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house. So, so he puts on Esau's clothes and the goat hair and gave them to her younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of, of young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked, uh, baked bread. <clears throat> so Jacob took the food to his father. My father, uh, to his father, my father, he said, yes, my son, Isaac answered, who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, lie number one, your firstborn son, I've done as you told me, here is the wild game, now sit up and eat so that you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it on my path, put it in my path, wow, now he's involving the Lord, you know, in this, in this lie. <clears throat> He's saying, hey, God just supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory. Okay, he asked. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hand felt, hands felt hairy just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son, Esau? He asked, yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me, to the wild, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him, and when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, remember he had put on Esau's clothes, he was finally convinced and he blessed his son and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. So he deceives his father and takes the blessing from Esau. Now, meanwhile, Esau is out gathering this wild game, whatever Isaac liked, and he brings it back, prepares it, and then he goes into his father and he says, Dad, I'm back. Here's your meal. I'm ready for my blessing. Here's what happens. 
But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. And here's Esau's response. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Okay, so how many are with me on the story? How many in? Okay, so here we have uh, Esau is ticked, and he is now thinking, okay, as soon as dad dies, I'm taking my brother's life. This is ridiculous. He's stolen my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Well, Rebecca overhears this conversation between uh, Jacob and Esau, and hears Esau saying, I'm going to kill my brother when dad dies. So Rebecca goes to Jacob and says, Jacob, okay, you need to get out of here. And here's what I want you to do. I'm dysfunctional, and I want you to go to my dysfunctional brother's house, and I want you to live over there. She didn't say that, but that's exactly what happened, okay? She says, I want you to go to Uncle Laban's house. So this would be Rebecca's uh, uh, brother who lived in another land, and I want you to go there and, so that you'll be safe. Well, we're, what we're going to find out is that Laban is just as dysfunctional as his sister. This all runs in the family. Many of you have this family. Many of you are this family, okay? So there's dysfunction going around. And the reason I say that is Laban, when, when uh, um, Jacob finally arrives and he meets Rachel at a well, Rachel's, uh, I'm sorry, Rachel is uh, one of uh, Laban's daughters. He has two daughters, Leah, well, I don't know if he may have more, but Leah and Rachel are the ones that we know. And Rachel, on Jacob's journey toward Lord, uh, Laban, Rachel comes to a well where Jacob is. Jacob sees her, he falls in love, and he's like, whoa, where are you? Who are you? And uh, do you know Laban? And she goes, that's my dad. And so they, they bring Jacob, the, the nephew, to Laban, and he goes, oh, Jacob, oh my goodness. Well, Jacob stays there with the, with the father, begins working with his uncle, and then he asks for Rachel's hand in marriage. Now, this is a different time. They're cousins, okay, so let's just skip on, right on through that. And, and Laban says, yes, yes, you can have Rachel. So it's the night of the wedding, and I don't know how the weddings go in that day, but somehow, some way, it must have been very dark because Laban gives Jacob Leah, the older sister, rather than Rachel. And the Bible says that Leah is not quite as pretty, pretty as Rachel. And so, but it was dark. So <laughs> Leah goes into the tent and Jacob has no idea until the morning. And then he's like, surprise. It's like, who are you? He knew, he knew who she was, but he's like, oh my goodness. And he goes to Laban, his uncle, and says, why did you deceive me like this? Why did you, I mean, what is going on here? And he says, hey, it's our custom here that I can't give away the younger daughter before I give away the older daughter. And in the meantime, Laban had, had worked a deal with Jacob to say, hey, you got to work seven years. If you want one of my daughter, you got to work seven years. And, and, and Jacob was like, okay, I'll work seven years. So he gets Leah instead of Rachel. So he says, no, well, what do I got to do to get Rachel? And he says, you got to work another seven years. Okay, this is the dysfunction in Laban. He is a deceitful man. I'm not saying he's, well, anyway, so that is, that is what it is. So, so uh, Jacob decides, yes, I'll work another seven years. He gets Rachel. So, and, and again, this is a totally different time. He had more wives than one. Okay, so, 
So Leah and, and Rachel are his wife, and he works with his uncle, and there's all kinds of business dealings going on re- regarding the flocks and the livestock, and, and Laban's trying to cheat Jacob out of some of the things that he had promised him, but God blesses Jacob, and Jacob's flocks begin to, to get bigger and stronger and more expansive than Laban's, and then there's tension. Now, there's always been tension. How many would think, you know, you give me the wrong girl and there's tension? Okay? All right. So there's tension all through this whole relationship, 14 years or more. And Jacob's working in the house and it's tense and it's dysfunctional. It's all kinds of deception going on and trickery going on. I'm giving you the fast uh, story of this. Finally, Jacob knows, okay, it's getting so bad, I need to leave. So he says to his wives, hey, listen, we got to get out of here. Are you okay with that? And both of them are like, yeah, let's go. And he wants to go back to his homeland where his people are. He wants to get out from this pressure and this dysfunction. So secretly, they leave the land of Laban where he's at, and they travel. And for three days, they they take off with the flocks. they're, They're his flocks. They're not, he didn't steal them, but they're his flocks and the daughters and the grandchildren and he takes off. Well, Laban finds out. Here's what happens. Let's go. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found someone to some, uh, found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from heaven up to uh, from earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, and I want you to, okay, before we get to that, I want you to to just think about Jacob's life so far. It has been a life of deception. It has been a life of lies, trickery, stealing, running, and then disappointment with, with his uncle and just dysfunction of all kinds. Now he's going, he's leaving there secretly, running away from that relationship and he finds himself at a camp and he finds himself in the dream and here in the dream, knowing all of the stuff about Jacob, knowing all the stuff, here's what the Lord says. I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous, does this sound familiar, as the dust of the earth, his grandfather Abraham. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families, listen to this, all the families of the earth, that's you and I, will will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. I want you to know, let's stop right there. I want you to know that if you are here and you have found yourself in a family, you came out of the womb dysfunctional. You came out angry or you came out um, having a hard time dealing with relationships. Everybody look at me. I want you to know that the Lord is with you. I want you to know that even in our dysfunction and even in our our, our inability to work through some issues, God is still with you, can be still with you. And with Jacob, he says, hey, listen, I'm not done with you. And I know that there's been dysfunction. And I know all about the stuff. 
And I'm just telling you, I just want to encourage you that I'm going to use you and I'm going to bless you. I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. And he will need that protection. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Okay. So, how many think that's encouraging? Right? It's encouraging. If you are here today, again, I want you to be encouraged. Now, I don't want us to stay in our dysfunction. I don't want us to stay like, oh, okay, well then great. I'm just going to treat everybody like crud and do what I want and be self. No, Jacob is not going to do that. He's, he's going he's gonna to make some things right. But first of all, let's catch up. He's at a camp. Remember, he's going toward his home. But guess who is at home? His brother Esau, who swore that he would kill Jacob because of the cheating and stealing from him. So Jacob gets up, and he's getting ready to go to his home, but he understands that Esau is going to be there. So he sends a delegation in two different ways to see if he can, they can find Esau, his brother, with all kinds of gifts to his brother, Esau. He's trying to make things right. He's saying, he's saying listen, I, 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 listen, I know I've done wrong, and I just want to make it right with you. And he is, he is scared. Obviously, as we can tell, Jacob wasn't the rough and, and, you know, like, hey, bring it on, man. You want some of me? He's not that guy. Esau is that guy. And so he's afraid that Esau is going to, when he, when he comes home, I'm coming after you. Okay, so that's where we are. And that's where, as Jacob, listen, has decided in his heart, when Laban comes out, I, I didn't tell you this story, but when Laban comes back, the uncle, he finds him, he catches up with, with Jacob. Jacob makes things right with Laban. Laban. He says, man, I'm sorry that, I, that I've messed up. I'm sorry that, that this has happened, but I, I just want you to know that I want to make things right. And Laban says, okay, you know what? I've done wrong. You've done wrong. I want you to go and be free. I love my family. I love my grandkids. Let's, let's just be friends, okay? So they make a covenant together that they're going to be at peace. Jacob, I'm skipping some of the story back in the back, so just so you know, just a scripture, I think. So, so Jacob makes things right with Laban. He humbles himself, and now he's getting ready to humble himself before Esau. But before he does, as he's already decided to humble himself before Laban, and he's already decided to humble himself before Esau. Here's what the Lord says to him. But Jacob soon learned that Laban's sons, no, nope, next scripture. I've skipped that one. We already, I already told that story. There we go. Laban caught, no, nope, no, nope, next one, next one. I'm sorry, this is my fault, my fault. Go to the next one, the next scripture, yeah. Okay, he replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him. So Jacob is wrestling with God. God comes to him at night when he's at camp all alone, and he wrestles with Jacob. Jacob, maybe, maybe a better term is Jacob wrestles with God. And he's all night wrestling with the Lord. Just, he's just hammering out things. He's, just, he's like, man, I don't know what's going on here, but I can't let you go until you bless me. Jacob replied, or, or and he replied, the man, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you'll be called Israel. This is the name change. 
because you have fought with God and with men and have won. I want you to, I want you to just kind of let that rest right, right there in your mind. You have fought with God and men and have won. What could that mean? Typically, when we have problems this way, we usually have problems this way. When we have problems this way, a lot of times we have problems this way. In other words, you have problems with God, you have problems with people. When you have problems with people, you usually have problems with God. Okay, Jacob has that. Jacob is a liar. He's a deceiver. In fact, let me put on the screen Jacob's, what, it, what his name really means. His Jacob, the Hebrew, uh, um, the Hebrew word means of Jacob to follow from behind, supplant or deceive, overreach. So Jacob is this deceiver. He is a supplanter. He is a tricker. He's a cheater. And, and the Lord says, hey, I'm going to change your name from Israel I mean, from Jacob, sorry, from deceiver, from supplant. I'm going to change it to Israel, which means struggle. Okay, so the real Hebrew word, it would probably be struggle. But in the context of the passage, it's a specific struggle. And it's a struggle. Jacob didn't have problems in his business. Jacob didn't have problems in his, in his ability to make wealth. His struggle was this way and this way. You have struggled with God and man and you've won. Now the scriptures for us, if we find ourselves in a situation or in a life that is dysfunctional, relationally, the whole reason, I've never looked at this story like this, I've looked at him as a, he's a deceiver and all that stuff, but I've never looked at it deeper as, as a, in a relational way. And many of you are sitting here today, you're like, John, this is not for me, man. I, I'm pretty, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I have good relationships. I, I don't, don't, well, okay, the reason you need to hear this is because the people around you that struggle need you to understand. I'm not saying condone, I'm not saying justify or become a doormat. What I am saying is that those of us that may not really have a struggle relationally need to understand that when people do, listen, everybody look at me, when people have a struggle relationally, there's usually a reason. It's because they were raised in dysfunction, they were hurt, abused, they were traumatized, there was something going on. I'm not, 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 I'm not trying to blame everything on childhood, but what I am saying is that you and I both know that things happen as a result of the, our family of origin. And, and sometimes people around us struggle because there is a family of origin issue. There is something going on, and they have not been able to recognize, they have not been able to humble themselves to say, you know what, I think I think, man, I look back over my life and, and I've got some issues. Most of us want to blame. Most of us want to be the victim. No, no, no. The, the, everybody is just after my life. Everybody. It's just like I can't get Well, Well, when we're the common denominator of relational break, can I just tell you that probably there's something going on with us? It, listen, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means there's some things that need to be settled 
healed. And Jacob is a prime example of relational dysfunction. And many of us have that. And if you don't, then you need to have mercy and grace for those that were raised in a situation that was hard, that was difficult relationally to get along. And again, I am not saying condone. I am not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that those of us that struggle, guys, if you stay in that struggle and you stay hard and you stay calloused and you stay mean, shame on you if you're a believer. Shame on you for staying in that anger. Shame on you for staying in that bitterness. And I don't mean that to get you to feel bad. I just mean that, hey, listen, you fast forward to Jesus and what Jesus said, the two greatest things that we can do, the greatest commandment, Mark 12. Let me just put it on the screen. I'm going to skip through some of it. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This way. If you struggle, if we struggle relationally, if we have dysfunction in our co-working situations, our boss, those who work for us, those in our family, our kids, our parents, our spouses, whoever, friends, if there is a trail of bodies in our relationships, what you and I have to do is say, okay, God, teach me to love you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, all of my mind. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Guys, I'm telling you, if we struggle with dysfunction in our relationships, the encouraging part of Jacob, and his life was not perfect. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, after this, it wasn't perfect. You remember one of his favorite sons later on is Joseph? And remember Joseph and his friend and his brothers, you know, and then Joseph goes to Egypt, he's sold into slavery. I mean, there's all kinds of things that follow a personality that has struggles. But what I do love about Jacob is that he didn't just say, oh, I don't care about Laban. Oh, I don't care about Esau. I'll just get my men. I'll get the rough and tough men that I've got with me that do my fly. I'm going to have them battle Esau. No, in both instances, he humbled himself before Laban. He humbled himself before Esau. And guys, when we struggle, relationally speaking, you got to humble yourself and you got to say, God, I want to learn to love you and I want to learn to love my neighbor. Many of us were raised to be racist. You were raised in a home that was raised to dislike or prefer another race other than somebody, your race other than somebody else. And that's black, white, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter. You have it in you. What I, what, what, what I think we have to do is recognize some of the dysfunction. Do you understand what heaven's going to be like when we get there? There's going to be all races, all nations. doesn't matter the color. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter the culture. And when we struggle, and you, you were thinking, man, I don't really struggle with this, but then I bring this up, and you're like, well, I may struggle a little bit. Yeah, you think? Maybe you do. That's the way you were raised. I, again, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying, guys, we got to humble ourselves. So let me ask you three questions. Three questions. One, do you struggle with healthy relationships? 
Don't raise your hand. Yes or no? Do you struggle with relationships? Are you overly sensitive? Are you easily offended? Is there a break in most of your friendships down the road because they did something that you expected them not to do or you expected something they didn't do? And so then you just, okay, I'm done. Okay, is there a struggle with relationships? Healthy. Number two, is forgiveness something you have withheld from anyone? Let me say it as, 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 as nice as I can. And I tackle this a lot. I truly believe this right here is a big one for a lot of us. Because we hold on to something, and here's what happens. This becomes sideways energy for us. It becomes sideways energy. We are bitter. We, their name comes up, and our ears get red. You can feel the blood flow. Because you're just like, ah, oh, and rightfully so, right? Okay, because how many know you've been wronged, I've been wronged, and it's no fun. We don't like that. I'm not saying you have to be restored in that relationship. I'm not saying you have to be a doormat. All I'm saying is you and I as believers, everybody hear me, watch it online. You and I as believers do not have the right to not forgive someone. As he has forgiven us, and I know this is hard, and I know some of you, are, are you're just gonna buck up and you're gonna say, well, then man, I'm not going to heaven. Okay. All right. That's what you want to be? Meanie? Do you struggle with forgiveness? Number three, are there relationships in your, in your past or in your present that need to be mended? Maybe the Holy Spirit right now will speak to your heart about something, a family member. Now let me just say, if they passed away and it's done, okay, you just, that's between them and the Lord. That's when you and the Lord... There's nothing you can do. You don't have to feel guilty or bad. Just say, God, I'm sorry that I allowed that to happen before they, before we were able to be mended. Okay, there's nothing we can do about that. But if they're alive and there is something that you can do, again, you don't have to, you know, be best friends. You don't have to be, do Christmas together. But you and I do have to make amends. And if there's somebody in your life right now that you're thinking of, maybe it's a letter. I have found that sometimes a letter is the best way to communicate because you can rewrite and rewrite. You know what I'm saying? You don't get nervous while you're talking or it's not uh, emotional in a text. Sometimes a letter will help you to just calm down. You pray and and you just write that letter to say, hey, so-and-so, I know I've wronged you. I know that I've done some things to hurt you and I want you to forgive me. I need you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. Now, if they do or don't, that's up to them. But I'm, all I'm saying is for you to, to move forward with your purpose. Jacob moved forward in his purpose when he had decided that he's going to make it right with Laban, Laban and he's going to make it right with Esau. I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to power up. I'm not going to play the, the hardball game. I'm going to humble myself. That's that's when things begin to happen for you. 
And, and let me just tell you, that heaviness that you wear in bitterness or anger or resentment towards someone, when you, when you just send that letter, I've done this. That's why I know what I'm talking about. I have sent the letter. And it has, that, that burden of relationship just came, it just came off. And it restored, and thankfully, and I'm so glad that I wrote that letter. Some of you need to write that letter. Some of you need to have that conversation. You have a meeting, whatever. My, the reason I'm telling you this is because this story, I want you to know that if you struggle, he is with you. He's not left you. He is with you. But not with you just to say, hey, I just condone your meanness or your bitterness or your, your lack of forgiveness. He's with you to say, I've got better things for you. I've got plans for you. And if you let this fester, if you let this stay, you're going to miss some of the things that I have for you because sideways energy is going on your whole life. And my heart is that you would be healed today. Lord, your word is powerful. It's sharp sometimes. It's encouraging sometimes. It's challenging sometimes. It is raw sometimes. And Lord, in, in our hearts, in our lives right now, there, there may be many of us that struggle. That number on the scale was a three. It was a four. And we don't know what to do. We don't know how to proceed one step at a time. But the first step is to learn to love you with all of our heart. God, when we can get forgiveness from you, when we can, we, when we can say, God, I don't know why I've been distant with you. I don't know why I struggle with you, but I'm laying it out on the table. I'm saying I ask for your forgiveness. I need you to, to heal me. And as you heal me, I am going to commit to make healing a priority in my relationships. Lord, let it be. Let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.